Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome to the latest podcast episode. I have a very special guest, Ken Rusk. And uh, if you don't see it on the YouTube channel, at least on the uh, podcast side of it, Blue Collar Cash, his new book. Uh, but he's a best-selling author, entrepreneur, motivated speaker, motivational speaker. And uh, man, I'm just excited to learn more about Ken and, and everything in between, man. So thank you for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, Terry. Cool, man. Um, so, I mean, you have a unique journey. Um, you appeared also on U.S. Today, Fox Business, New York, New York, New York's Post, um, Forbes. The list goes on, man. But you know, for everyone who doesn't know who Ken Rusk is, man, let's just start from there, and we'll, we'll go forward. Well, I guess I, I guess you could accuse me of being a blue collar entrepreneur. I've heard that thrown about. Um, it, it, you know, it, it was it was pretty simple. I grew up. I had a bunch of odd jobs when I was 12, 13, 14 years of age because I wanted to get stuff, you know, and I wanted to mm -hmm. buy my own baseball glove or my my first bike or whatever. And I kind of got used to, you know, the fact that if you worked, if you worked hard, people would pay you to do things and then you could go out and control that money and do whatever you wanted with it. So I guess entrepreneurship started pretty early. Um, but when I was 15, I, I, I wanted, I had my first real job. I was, I was actually a, my high school shared a fence with an industrial park and inside that industrial park, there's a whole bunch of businesses that were thriving, people running around, cool stuff that young guys liked, you know, dump trucks and backhoes and all that kind of stuff and just energy. And so we used to cut through that, that hole in the fence to go hang out to carry out. And we'd walk by these businesses. And one day I said, you know what? I need a more full-time job. So at 15, I went in and said, what do you do? They said, we dig ditches basically. And I said, well, I think I'm qualified to do that. So I want to buy my, my first used car, take my girlfriend out for pizza. I needed money for that. So I, I did that. I dug ditches in the summertime. And then in the wintertime, I worked in the office and um, when I was in school and it was great because I got to learn the whole front and back of the business. And then at, at some point when I was 18, it was either go to college or hang out and work. They came to me and said, we're going to open all these branch offices around the country and we want you to do it. So at 18, I lived out of a suitcase for four or five years, I would guess, opening companies around the Midwest from scratch. And then uh, started my own company in 1986 with uh, six people. Got tired of living out of a suitcase, so I wanted my own place. And I moved to Ohio or to Toledo, Ohio, and uh, started with six people. And I think we now have almost 200. So it's, it's been a hell of a ride. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's a quick summary there. Um, well, you said you lived out of a, you only had a suitcase and you were just kind of on the move opening businesses. Like how was that whole process like that? That's pretty crazy. Well, you know, you have to, you have to, this is good advice. I, I learned from somebody and that is that if you've never done something before, you just act like you have. Okay. <laughs> like I've never built a skyscraper before, but if I did, I'd probably need to buy some land. Right. And then if you ask yourself that over and over, I never built a skyscraper before, but if I did, I probably would need some plans. So you find someone who can draw plans and then you keep going and you keep saying those things. And pretty soon you have the materials and you have the contractor and you have the permits and it's working and pretty soon you've done it. So I knew what our office looked like in Cleveland and I knew that I had to replicate that office elsewhere so I just said, well, I'm going to go to these places, find these buildings. And at 18, I'm telling contractors where to put the plumbing and the electric. And I didn't even know. 
but I just winged it because I knew I needed a bathroom there. I needed an office there. I needed an office there. I needed a warehouse there. And so I just kept thinking about what my office looked like in Cleveland. And then I just kept repeating that over and over. And then you started hiring people. I need six people in that office, one receptionist. I need one sales manager. And you just do that uh, until you've got it done. And then it's open, it's running, it's a viable business. And then you move on to the next one. Great. Uh, What type of businesses are these? These are construction companies. They basically work on old basements of old houses or churches or schools. So, you know, basements get old and they get cracked up and they leak and they get, you know, rotten and moldy and people don't want to go down there. So you, you, you fix them up, you clean them up, you dry them up, and then they can use them to put bedrooms or rec rooms or whatever, man caves, whatever you want to do down there. Okay, cool. Yeah. So that, that's through Rusk Industries, your your company. That's and, correct. And um, you... Through that portfolio, we're talking construction companies, like you mentioned, uh, revenue above nine figures. Um, that's crazy. Like how how long did it take to kind of grow to that that size of revenue? Well, you know, it it probably was about in the first ten years, we had amassed a pretty good backlog of work, and then mm-hmm. you you you. I always wanted to share things with other people around me that worked here. And I had a lot of people that have been working with me since day one that are still here. And um, that's 36 years later. So I wanted to grow in different ways, Terry, where I could get beyond the restrictions of just the territory that I had in Ohio. So I started other construction things, like we went into construction chemicals, like fire retardant chemicals. And then we went into building houses and then we went into building office buildings and stuff like that. And Mm. those types of things all together allowed the staff around me to be more successful as I was becoming more successful. And I think that was the fun part because it was, it was fun for me to say, well, not only am I making this happen for me, but I'm bringing a lot of people with me and they're, they're making things happen for themselves. And that just kind of drives the whole thing like crazy forward. I mean, way further than I could take it myself. Right. So, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. It's, it's, it's a pretty cool gig. It still is. We're having a lot of fun doing it. Cool. Um, wow. How did you draw up so much business for those construction jobs? Like what was the best, I guess, marketing or strategy for you guys? Well, first off, you know, you do a good job, you get rewarded because there's word of mouth, you get referrals and that kind of thing. But then you also put ads in newspapers and you put Back then, we had something called the Yellow Pages. You don't really see that much anymore. But um, <laughs> yeah. you go on social media and you do that stuff now. You do um, uh, what they call these little shows, like you have like a home improvement show that's in your neighborhood or in your mm-hmm. town. Um, so you, you go to all those kinds of county fairs and all those kinds of you know farmers markets and you do all that stuff and you set yourself up there and you just drum up interest and you drum up business and then you get salespeople and they go out and make that happen. Um, but it's, it's really about providing a really awesome experience for the customer because then they tell all the people about it and then there you go from there. Yeah, well said. I do agree on that one. Uh, um, how important is it even, cause I think you kind of talk more about this in the book, but, uh, building a team to help grow a business and attract well, the right employees. You know, 
in the in the old days, you would be so proud if you went home and you worked 80 hours that week and you killed yourself and you went home and you told your wife or your husband or whoever, oh, man, you should have seen me. I fixed this. I changed that. I built this. I yelled at those people for that. I told him to do this. You know, all that like super bossy stuff. That's that's old news. I mean, that's 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 old hero stuff. I mean, that, that's not the way businesses are built anymore. I mean, not at least not in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So getting people, you know, there's there's the word entrepreneur, which is the guy or the gal that takes on all the risk. I mean, I, you know, I, had, I, I think I own 40 dump trucks at this point. I mean, it's crazy. Oh, wow. So you take on all that risk. But there's mm-hmm. also people that are around you that maybe, Terry, they don't want to take all that risk on. Maybe they, they, they want mm-hmm. to feel like they own something, but they don't want to like go all that way, you know, with the workers comp and the payroll and the insurance and all that kind of stuff. So you surround yourself with what's called an intrapreneur. Those are people who are entrepreneurs, but work for someone else within their company framework. And you share their successes with them. I mean, they run their own divisions like they're their own little companies. And um, they have full autonomy to do what they need to do from budgets to advertising to, you know, the the whole financial end of it and they gain success and when they succeed you succeed so you share with them a little bit of that success and then they feel like they're in control of their own income you have nothing to do with it anymore which is really great because the real definition of an entrepreneur is someone who kind of makes himself almost irrelevant to the day-to-day working of the company but they sit above and they watch and they drive and they vision for the future and so, yeah, you surround yourself with, with entrepreneurs who are in it for themselves first and you second, and that's fine. And then everybody wins that way. Hmm. Okay. Well said. Well said. Um, well, I do want to talk about your book here, Blue Collar uh, Cash. What was the whole, like, what made you want to release a book and, and write that one in particular? Terry, I never woke up and said I was going to be a writer. Uh, that never happened or an author. Um my daughter was sick when she was 12, pretty scary five years for her mother and I, because she, it was, you know, she had a pretty serious illness. And, um, when you're sitting around in doctor's offices and waiting rooms and oncology rooms and all that, you tend to have a lot of time to think. And so one of the things I said was, I'm, if I wrote her a very long letter, what would that letter sound like? I mean, what would I tell her about what we should all be chasing in our lifetime? Okay. And the words comfort, peace, and freedom just kept coming back to me like a perfect triangle, like comfort, peace, and freedom, like they were all dependent upon each other for their very existence, right? So I started writing her a letter about, you know, stories of friends of mine that had, over, that had overcome amazing challenges, you know, legal challenges, criminal challenges, you know, relationship challenges, alcohol and drug challenges to become very successful people. And she had to overcome some challenges of her own being sick like that. So I just kept writing and writing and writing. And pretty soon I had 80,000 words and uh, I I had a book. I had a sore wrist and a lot of legal pads full of ink. (laughs) And um, then I looked up editors in New York. I found a guy on Google who had a whole bunch of people a whole stable full of ghost writers, which are people that help you clean up what you've written. Mm-hmm. And then it went from there to a book proposal to an agent 
they got me an agent and then it went to digital media manager guys and then to um, Harper Collins, which was my publisher. And they were in a bidding war to get the book and then they put out a really nice advance and then you go from there. I mean, you finish the book, give it to them and they sell it and it's a pretty crazy process. But like I said, I never, <laughs> I never woke up saying I'm going to be an author. Okay. It just, it just kind of happened. Gotcha. Well, I think that that's a cool uh, way for you to kind of just start writing down this stuff. And then next thing you know, Oh wow, I got all this information, uh, stuff you don't really think about till you actually start doing it. Right. Um, did that actually help your daughter out with all of her challenges? Yeah, it, it did. I mean, she's, you know, she ended up going to school and she ended up, you know, getting her master's degree and, and, uh, and she's in, in, in architecture now and interior design. And she just had her first grand, our, our first grandbaby a few weeks ago. So, um, That's we're awesome. very blessed with that, but you know, the, the, the thing I want to impress upon people and the reason they call the book blue collar cash is college has only ever been one of six starting points to a successful career. Everybody thinks I got to go to college or else if I'm not in, if I don't go to college, I'm not going to be successful. That Terry has never been true and it isn't true now. And it sure as heck won't be true tomorrow. There's things like the military has great careers. I know a bunch of fighter pilots that have awesome careers. There are um, tech schools, trade schools, apprenticeships, starting your own business, um, shadowing somebody else that has their own business and then buying it from them. And then there's college. And it's funny because half the population in the United States today, and I'm talking about 77 million of the people who are full-time employed, 77 of the 165 million people that are employed today do something with their hands still. And yet, you would hear that college is the only way to be successful. You have to go to college or else. The only people that are saying that are the colleges. And they're the ones making the money selling you college. Okay? Now, Terry, I am not anti-college. If you're going to operate on my shoulder so I can get back out on the golf course. I want you to know everything there is to know about a knife before you come at me with it, okay? <laughs> right? Let's get that straight. Or if you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or a nurse or an architect or an engineer or a teacher or a financial guy, yeah, you have to know that. And schools are very specific for those types of reasons. But those schools have specific courses for a specific degree, and you have a specific job waiting for you when you're done, right? If you're just going to school because people tell you that you're supposed to, that is no reason to go get all that debt and get mm -hmm. a degree that you can't use and then have to pay all that debt back when you could have gone out and maybe become your own hairdresser or a baker or a, a gardener or a, f a flower shop owner or a plumber or a policeman, or a welder, or an electrician, any of those jobs, most of which pay six <laughs> figures or more, mm -hmm. and you don't need a college degree for them. So the goal in life is to live well. The goal in life is to um, work so that you can live, not live to work. So 
just know that there's so many ways to be successful. And that's why they named the book Blue Collar Cash, because they wanted people to understand that there's a whole other world out there that you might not be being told about. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. Um, wow. That's pretty cool. One thing I want to kind of touch upon is overcoming challenges, like you mentioned. Is sure. there one in particular example from the book that you might think will stick out for you more than others or that's unique or different or well yeah one of my buddies unfortunately he came home to find that his mom had been killed by his stepfather and then his stepfather killed himself in the garage and he was he was 17 years old um and he overcame that he could have been just a waste in society you know and understandably so after seeing that trauma i mean he's the one that found these people and um, instead, he decided, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to go make something of myself. I mean, I've got a raw deal here. This is a bad deal. This is really bad. Okay, you can't get much worse. But I have the ability to make something of myself. And he started out folding boxes for a box maker. And then he saw how the distribution of those boxes worked and how it was inefficient, how the trucks came and went. So he started getting into the trucking business, and then pretty soon he had this huge trucking company. And um, then by the, before he was done, he was controlling, not owning, but controlling ships and planes and trains and trucks, hundreds of them every day. Oh, and wow. uh, made an incredible living after overcoming serious tragedy. And so that's just one of the stories of these are personal friends of mine. I, I spoke to him just two days ago. And um, great human beings doing great things after overcoming huge problems. So you, you need to know out there that only you know what your favorite color is. Only you know what your favorite car is. Only you know what your favorite vacation would look like. Only you know what your favorite house might be. Only you know what your favorite hobby, sport, pastime, charity would be. Only you know these things. So stop letting other people tell you what your life should look like. You know what it should look like. I talk about in the book exactly how to figure out the rest of your life starting today, what it should look like, how to go about doing it, how to draw it out, how to look at it and allow the power of your brain to get you there and do what all of my friends did and overcome their challenges and make their their lives happen for them. It's a pretty cool thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. Sorry to hear about that, about your friend. Um, how did he overcome those challenges? Was it just, I well, don't know, he, he had choices. I mean, again, you know, you're, you're faced with something like that. What are you going to do? I mean, you, you could say society has wronged me in some way. So I'm just going to be a nothing and hang out and do nothing. And, and understandably so. I mean, you could say that. Or you could say, wait a minute. The rest of my life starts today. I'm going to erase everything that happened yesterday backward, okay? Not that you forget about your mother, because you never will, okay? Or forget about (laughs) your family. You never will do that. But you can erase the negative circumstances from your, you can delete them, okay? And say, okay, now what? what? What happens now? And usually that starts with, Terry, what do I want my life to look like? And can I draw that out? 
because one of the things that people don't understand, I think, is that they are 100% in control of their lives. 100%, not 60 or 50, 100. And you'll hear people say, well, yeah, but things happen to me. No, I get that. But things happen to everybody. You are in control of what you do next. And um, the cool thing about your brain is, I don't want to get too technical with you, but I learned this from a, a, a guy who's a real mind scientist. The more you see something that you want, the more these little electrodes fire in your brain and they go back and forth very quickly. Well, the more you see it, the more you focus on it and the more you obsess over that. Like, I really need to have this in my life, whatever it is. The more these thoughts become one constant stream of electricity. To the point where your brain, Terry, now thinks that it actually owns that thing already. And because it doesn't, it tricks your mind and your body into taking the actions necessary to go get that thing. It's a hugely powerful part of your brain that not many people use. And the thing is, it's free. There's no training involved. You just sit down, you focus on something really, really hard that you want to come into your life. And you draw it, you put it up on the wall somewhere where you can see it every day. And through this osmosis, osmosis process, it, it will happen for you. Um, you just have to be real conscious about what you put on that drawing I call it your life, your life's work or your life drawing like a map or a brochure for your life. All the things that you want it to look like, your perfect nirvana. Man, if I could live like that, that would be really cool. Put that on your wall, stare at it. We'll look at it two, three times a day and it will come into your life um, whether, you, uh, whether you know it or not. Well said, Ken. Uh, it's funny you mention that because I think uh, we all have that struggle trying to figure out the the whole life work, life drawing, the picture, right? Um, that kind of actually helped me out when I met my wife. So I did everything I could to make sure I got with her, basically. So I focused on it, uh, did everything I could, uh, and it worked out. So I think it plays a role in relationships, you know, careers, stuff like that, all that good stuff. Um, well, you know, it's it's, it's kind of like a, a puzzle. I don't know if, if you're... If you can imagine doing a really, really big puzzle on your living room table, right? Mm-hmm. So what's the first thing you do? Well, you put all the square edges out so you get the frame, right? Because that's easy, right? You just get all the... And then you start filling in the middle, right? But what's the one thing you need more than anything to build that puzzle? It's it's usually the box with the cover on it, Right? If you don't know what that puzzle is going to look like, you sure as hell aren't going to be very good at building that puzzle. It's going to take you a very long time to build it if you don't know what that picture is. That's how life is. If you draw what you want your life to look like as clear as the picture on that box, and then all you do is you just put one piece in at a time, staring at that box the whole time. You'll be amazed at what you can accomplish for yourself. I mean, you will be blown away at how powerful the human brain is at taking you there. Cool, man. Well said. But, like, let's sit there and say, I think people should buy your book, obviously, but Blue Collar Cash, someone buys it, they read all the pages. What can they expect after? Like, what should they have 
I won't say mastered, but have good information of after reading to kind of well, go well there's two things. Number one, you can read the book and change your life today, this afternoon, mm-hmm. because there's things in there that you can practice. Okay. Visualization, you know, how to set goals, how to make sure goals are not just a thing, a hope, a wish, or a dream, but an actual path. Step one, step two, step three, beginning, ending, commitment, sharing it with others. Those are the simple things that you can get out of the book that no one teaches you in high school. They just don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I also built a course around it. And, you know, my world was really good financially before I wrote this book. So I didn't do it to make money. I wrote, I built the course. It's eight sessions at 45 minutes a session. And um, it forces you to take what you read in the book and make your life happen like now, like right now, today. It's $149, I think, to, to buy this course and you get a free $25 book with it. I've seen courses for 2000 No, that's not what this is about. <laughs> it's about helping someone change their life right now and, and, and to have an impact on them. So that course and the book are at KenRusk.com. I tend to donate the money that I get from the book anyway. So if you decide you're going to help yourself by buying the book or the course, just know you're helping someone else in the process by doing that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's something that um, I see a lot of people that read a lot of books and they put them up on the shelf and mm-hmm. they never, they never do anything with it. They never like engage into what the book was telling them to do. And I think that's the sad part here. That's why I built this thing so I could help people actually make a difference in, in the worlds that they live in. That's really cool. Building out a course. Uh, you mentioned, um, kind of track back a little bit. Uh, what's the best way to set goals? Because you're so successful in business and just life. Like, what what do you think is the best way? Well, first you need to see it, okay, mm-hmm. very clearly. You need to see the color. You need to see the everything, the material, the color, the size, the horsepower, the whatever it is, <laughs> okay? You need to see the feelings you're going to get when you have that thing. You're going to see all the senses you're going to experience. Like if you're planning a vacation, you know, the beach and the warm breeze and the air and the smell of the suntan lotion and the music and the sand in your feet and, the, you know, everything. You have to really get sensory into this goal. And once you have that, then you say, okay, now I need to break it down into pieces. What's that going to cost? Or how much time is it going to take for me to do that or whatever? So... Let's assume that you want to go, I don't know. I've had someone here. We do a lot of goal setting at my office. Someone here wanted to go to Scotland to visit a a cousin. Well, it was, I think it was $3,000 for them to do that. So I said, well, if you want to go three years from now, that's a thousand a year. That's $20 a week, right? (laughs) If you want to go two years from now, that's $1,500 a year, right? Divided by 50, that's $30 a week. If you want to go this year, it's $60 a week, okay? Break them down into crystal clear paths or steps and then decide. I'm going to start right now. I'm going to tell my bookkeeper or my payroll person, I want you to put 20 bucks a week away and don't let me see it ever. I don't want to see it. I can't touch it. I can't go near it <laughs> or whatever amount you decide. And then all you got to do is just breathe, and live, live your life for the next one, three, one, two, or three years. 
and you know you're going to get to that eventuality. It's going to happen no matter what. Okay. <laughs> and when that happens, you become you 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 start to gain this confidence, Terry, about your ability to control your life. And that's a small example because next there's going to be cars and houses and you know charity and vacations and everything. Your sports, your hobbies, your all those things, your family. But when you start doing these things on a small scale, you gain a ton of confidence. And it's the type of confidence that you want to repeat over and over again. So as soon as you get that first one, you're going to be like, oh, man, this was so cool. I'm going to do <laughs> another one. And then maybe I'll do two or three at the same time. And all you do is you just put the, the time frame out far enough so that it's comfortable for you to do it. I don't care when you do it as long as you do it. Okay. We're, we're removing the if from this and we're only replacing if with when. Okay. It's extremely powerful. And then you share that goal with someone else so that they are with you and they have, they care for you and they love you and they share the same enthusiasm for that goal that you have. And then they help you when you stumble, you know, you trip and fall, you go, you want to turn around, you, can't do it anymore or whatever. They're going to keep you moving. They're going to have their hand on your shoulder and keep you going. So yeah, there's, there's those steps are in the book and it's insanely powerful. Um, you just have to allow it to work for you. Cool. Yeah. I think that's a, one of the best ways. Definitely. Uh, just taking notes. Um, but, uh, Ken, I mean, you got really good things going on, man. As far as like the business, I, I don't know why I keep going back, but you had a you have a very su successful, you know, construction company uh, business portfolio. Um, what were the key elements, I guess, to kind of streamline it? Other than hiring people, we kind of get that, you know, the whole delegation process. But did you have? Was it? I don't even know how to explain it. Like how. It seemed like at first he's like, hey, if you don't know how to do something, you figure it out on the go. But how were you able to kind of just gather employees, gather systems and processes and just kind of build things well, you, to make again, it work? You, you begin with the end in mind. You, you begin with it's almost like if you had to build. I don't know if you had to build a, a doghouse. OK, mm -hmm. you know that you need shingles. You know that you need siding. You know that you need framing. You know that you need a floor. You know that you need a name. Maybe you're going to put a window in it. So you just stare at this thing in your mind and you say, these are the pieces and parts that I need. So I'm going to go start plugging those things in. And it's, 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 I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty obvious, you know, if, if you're going to dig a ditch, you're going to need a shovel and a pick and a rake <laughs> Okay, you're going to need a dump truck to put that in. You're going to need stone to backfill it with. So you just start to think about what is it that this running business would look like? I want to live in it. Almost like I'm looking at a set of plans in 3D. I want to hmm. live in this world. Okay. And then I go start thinking about the pieces and parts that I need to plug in and they happen. But Terry, the important thing is, you know, none of that happens without a reason why. Mm -hmm. Like, why are you doing it? And that why has to be very, very strong. I go back to the drawing again, you know, the puzzle. If you don't have a why, 
you're going to, you're going to fail because a lot of these things take grit and they, they take, I give you some examples. They take persistence and resilience and initiative and courage and faith. And they take vision and they take generosity. Um, they take a lot of characteristics, but you have all those characteristics in you right now. I'm, I'm no special person. I'm no entrepreneur. I mean, you can call me that, but here's a piece of paper and a pencil. Draw entrepreneur, right? You can't because it's not really a thing. It's a collection of several things. But you have those same characteristics in you as does everybody. You just need a reason for them to come out. So, for example, if you knew that you wanted to have this really cool life, you might say, wow, you know, there's a lot of ways I could do this. I could go scrap metal. I could go open up a bunch of hot dog stands. I could go, I could do these different things because that's the world I want to live in. I have the picture. Now I just need to put the pieces in play. You could go become a landscaper and then end up owning your own landscape company. You could become an electrician, work for a, a guy for three or four years and then start your own electrician company and make 200 grand a year. You could become a welder and do the same thing. I mean, it's all a path and you know what the picture is at the end. You know what you want your life to look like. So now you just have to find a way to get there. And there's lots of ways to get there. And, you know, ditch digging was number 99 out of a list of 100 on my list, right? <laughs> I wanted to be a race car driver. Mm-hmm. But I knew through doing it that I could control my income. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, if I could control my income, then I can control the puzzle, how fast it gets put together. And because I could do that, then it didn't matter what I did as long as the puzzle was being built. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. If you see see the progress, sometimes it doesn't matter so much what you do for a living as does it matter what you do with what you do for a living, right? Because um, getting all the the energy and the momentum and the revenue and the financial gain from doing what I did allowed me to put it into a lot of different things, including later on in life – buying some really nice fast cars and racing them around the track, which I did. So I oh, became nice. that race car driver eventually, not professionally. I just do it for fun with my friends, but <laughs> it worked out. Cool. Uh, yeah. I love the whole puzzle analogy. I think that sums it up in every way. What, what type of race cars did you buy? Oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I have a Mustang and I have a nine uh, eleven, and I have a Cobra, just a lot of, I mean, just stuff. Cool. I mean, it, it, they're, they're all fun. They're all fun. How, how fast do you normally go on the tracks? Um, I think I had the Mustang doing 180, 187. Oh, wow. um, the other one, when you're on the track, you, you top out about 140 because there's a lot of turns. It's like a mm-hmm. Formula One track almost. But, yeah, it's a lot of fun. That's so cool. So what, what's next for Ken Rusk? Like we're hitting December and then like what's going on 2024 for you? Well, I'm a new grandfather and that's pretty cool. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm also into, um, I'm also, I'm always looking to do that. I want to, I'm constantly trying to improve my golf game. Okay. That's a work in progress. Um, <laughs> I, I love, um, I love building things. So we're going to build another headquarters for our company. The one I'm standing in now, we're going to build another one for that. 
so I always have like a goal between, I mean, I have goals for 30 days from now going out to dinner with my friends or celebrating Christmas or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I always have goals that are 30, 60, 90, 120 days, you know, six months, a year, two years, five years, 10 years. And I always have those things happening at the same time. And the reason I do is because just like you anticipate a vacation, when you plan it, you can anticipate all these things occurring as well. And that's what makes life worth living. 100%. I agree. How long will it take to build the uh, other headquarters that you're looking to? I'm guessing a year, year or so. Gotcha. Okay, cool. All right, Ken. So, I mean, look, I appreciate you for coming on. What's the best way for people to reach out to you to get the book? It's on Amazon, everywhere out there. Uh, yeah, I, I would say go to KenRusk.com and you can see the book there. You can see what we're up to. Uh, the course is there as well. Um, it, it, they have several buy buttons where you can find this thing. And then um, I'm, at, uh, I'm also at Ken Rusk Official on all my social media stuff. I have people that help me do that because that's not my thing. I don't know how to do it, so they help <laughs> me do it. But, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. We're, ha we're having a good time with it. Cool. Well, guys, you heard it first. That's how you can reach out to Ken. Check out his website. I'll have the links and everything below in the podcast, YouTube channel, everything. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please let me know, or I can defer you guys to Ken uh, and his team. So, Ken, thank you so much for coming on, man. I appreciate the time. And uh, everyone, until the next, next episode, peace out.